Hi, I'm Christopher, and today we're having a conversation with Sophia Bryan about youth voter apathy in Jamaica. Join us. Welcome, welcome one and all again to another episode of Christopher. My name is Christopher Nurse and today, as I said earlier, we're going to be talking with Sophia Bryan, a very good friend of mine, about youth voter apathy in Jamaica. Now the reason I chose youth voter apathy was because this week and next week are going to be very big weeks for democracy. We're going to be having the United States general election, which is actually on Tuesday, the 3rd of November, the day this episode is going to come out. And then after that, on the 7th, we're having the PNP leadership election. And then on the 11th, next week, we're going to be seeing the St. George North by-election in Barbados and the general election in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Now... With all of this talk about elections and democracy going on, Sophia and I thought it would have been a smart thing to talk about youth voters and why young voters are so averse to exercising their democratic rights nowadays. Now, when it comes to youth voter apathy, yes, we kind of kept the conversation towards the Jamaican space, but at times you may hear different analogies referring to me being up here in the the U.S. and kind of relating how that journey is going. But before I do anything else, allow me to introduce Sophia Bryan. Uh, Sophia Bryan is a leadership and business development strategist, public policy practitioner, and an internationally recognized advocate for the rights of women. As the host of the Driven Woman podcast, very good podcast by the way, she is dedicated to helping women and men unearth and develop their leadership capacity so that they can build their confidence, increase their influence, earn respect, and thrive in their businesses and careers. Sophia's drive to make an impact led her to start the Women of Unlimited Worth non-governmental organization, which caters to women and girls from inner-city communities at a higher risk for exposure to gender-based violence. Sophia's motivation and drive to develop her human potential was born out of her humble beginnings. Originally from Kingston, Jamaica, like me, Sophia grew up in Seaview Gardens and was raised by her older sister due to the passing of her mother at the age of three years old. Despite challenging circumstances, Sophia managed to thrive academically and received scholarships that enabled her to complete her education. Sophia always displayed leadership potential, which was acknowledged by her teachers and peers who encouraged her to take on leadership roles and positions at school and in her home community. As a result of her determination to be an example to other persons from the inner city, Sophia became the first person in her immediate family to graduate from university. Sophia is the recipient of the Prime Minister's Youth Award for Excellence in Leadership. She's also a recipient of the Commonwealth Youth Award for Excellence in Development Work. Sophia serves our country, Jamaica, as a youth ambassador to the Commonwealth. She's also a 2018 U.S. Department of State Fellow, and she's passionate about the legislative and policy reforms concerning the rights of women. 
Sophia is a holder of a Bachelor of Laws degree from the University of the West Indies and a graduate diploma in leadership from the George Mason University here in the United States. And just a big up to Sophia, in a few weeks she will be called to the bar to be able to practice as an attorney at law in Jamaica. So that's a very momentous day to look forward to and I'm very happy about that for Sophia. Now we're going to jump into the interview section and uh, just a little note. This interview was recorded and when I started editing, I realized that I lost the first quarter of the interview, but there's still about 40 minutes worth of gold that you can listen to. And just to remind you, you can follow me on my socials at Twitter. I am at Chris J Nurse. On Instagram, I am Mr. Nurse. And on Facebook, you can find me at Christopher Nurse, even though I don't use Facebook that much. Now, let's jump into our interview with Sophia Bryan. Yes. All right, awesome. So, uh, you were asking about whether there's a disconnect between the young people and our leaders. Mm-hmm. And I definitely agree because that there is a disconnect. The voter turnout, uh, we don't have the official statistics as yet to say what percentage of the youth population actually turned out to vote. Uh, but I think there being a significant shift to, add, um, to the governing party um, is a clear indication that there's a lot of disconnect happening between uh, what the leaders think that young people want. Because if a significant portion of our population is youth at the moment, mm-hmm. and if persons who are vying for leadership in a particular constituency can lose um, their, you know, politics is a very competitive sport, right? But if there can be such a significant swing to another side, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what was happening for the other people? Were they having dialogue with young people? Were they communicating that they understand their issues? Um, You know, we need to... (laughs) There is no clear evidence of that. And um, I think, you know, that's a, that's a big problem. I remember in the debates, there was a lot of conversations on the social media landscape. Oh, you know, but I personally don't think enough youth-related issues were brought to the fore. We spoke up the acts about corruption. They even asked about health of the opposition leader. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, Persons ask, what have you done? That sort of thing. But nobody really convinced me that they had a care for the plight of young people who are so significantly adversely affected by this pandemic. I remember on election day, I had to really encourage my family member to go out and vote because she was like, look, I have my two children. You know, uh, I'm having a significant problem with internet connectivity (laughs) i am constantly back and forth with my internet service provider only one company provides coverage to the community at the moment Mm -hmm. um job is in a very fickle position and she just was unable to see how any of the the options that were there any of these persons are really advocating and championing the cause of young people, and in her case, a young mother. 
right? Um, my brother, I had to encourage him to go out and vote as well because uh, he, to, to, he was like, a lot of people just automatically thought that, you know, the, other, the, the governing party would win. And so what would be the point of them going out to vote? So, <laughs> right. That brings up a point. Because in Jamaica, I, I, I realized living and growing up that a lot of people tend to, I'm not saying this about your family, no, I'm just saying in general, mm-hmm. tend to blame the government for everything that happens and some mm-hmm. people government to fix everything mm-hmm. that happens without recognizing that not everything requires per se mm-hmm. or government agency to intervene. Mm-hmm fix mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right uh, yeah i do agree with what you're saying that a lot of persons do not in terms of that percent of personal responsibility and that level of self-direction but when you're living in a pandemic right and you the government has an opportunity to advocate for the plight of persons that work in a particular industry yeah. and you're not seeing them do that then you're gonna feel discouraged if call centers can just do whatever they feel like, mm-hmm. they're not really considering the, the plight of persons who live on this industry and ensuring that um, the operators are living up or operating at the standard that they're supposed to be operating. Then you're going to be like, okay, do these people even care about our well-being? Do they care about job security? That sort of thing. So, but yeah, I totally agree that the sense of responsibility, yeah, it's, yeah, it, there are some issues there for sure, for sure. You mean they care about their own job security and not that of other people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. No, that, because you brought up a point about young parties doing things and advocating for young people. Uh, we've seen how politics has operated over the past, let's just give a broad number, 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. Do you really think that over those last 10 years, seeing how we as young people came up in what we call the industry, the youth leadership, mm-hmm. some people call it, do you really think that the political parties in Jamaica, the JLP and the PNP, you think they have a problem with um, genuinely reaching out to young people and not just pandering to them? Because mm. a lot of the PR that the prime minister's team has been doing, and even the leader of the opposition, a lot of it is pandering to young people because someone somewhere told them, hey, the average Jamaican is 24 years old. So mm. they're probably trying to appear younger and mm-hmm. sometimes they end up looking like fools. So do you think that they've been doing much of that pandering or are they genuinely trying to reach out to you? And, and I'm going to pull on that point that you mentioned about personal responsibility and people thinking that the government should fix everything. Really? No, right? As a, as a government, you are responsible for uh, implementing policies and implementing policies that are going to have the, the, the wide affect the widest cross-section of the, the population as possible. Each, each facet of society has their own issues. And as a government, you are required to address the issues of those people. Right. No, it's important for you to actually um, be able to relate to those persons um, that you are seeking to, 
implement policies for? Where is the dialogue? Where is the engagement that's taking place? Mm. Where is the positioning to say, I understand what your issues are, or I'm seeking to understand what your issues are um, in order for me to assist you or implement policies that will benefit you, right? So I think mm -hmm. in some instances, the government has actually helped to purport the ruling part, the ruling party currently and, and the opposition both, I think they've actually advanced the idea, the, the, the savior complex. I think that they've actually advanced it and they have actually sought to come across as being saviors rather than promoting personal responsibility uh, in many instances. I do recall that the Ministry of Education, Youth and Education, they did a campaign where and they were like personal responsibility, you have the ability when, around COVID. Mm. But where was a campaign about personal responsibility when it came on to, uh, did you finish your education? Did you ensure that you got one CXC subject? No. Um, the conversation was around giving people money cards, calling people bro God, you know, or... Um, giving people the impression that um, we're full of vibes and we know how to select sound system and we have a good relationship with the entertainment sector. That, that was what was being advanced, not encouraging personal responsibility, having dialogue with persons to say, what are your issues or we understand what your issues and these are the plans that we're going to implement to help you. So, um, I would never have thought to say they were pandering, but honestly, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> like, no, no go around, Corona Chris. Straight up pandering, the whole Clarks thing. Yes. I remember doing the election. Everybody have one Clarks. I'm like, what is going on? Because I mean, women are wearing Clarks. You have Clarks. You are declaring who, which side you are supporting. Mm -hmm. Straight up pandering, of my appearing to be more youthful than the other person. But have you said this is what we're gonna do for young people? This is how we're gonna ensure job security in the face of, of COVID. No care packages, um, care you know, apply for grant. That that was the argument. Um, encouraging the savior complex. That's my take. Lord, I hope I don't get in trouble, but I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> You see, the thing about France, everyone, every country is doing it in some way, shape, or form. Every country has had to... Mm -hmm. Hello? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm here. It, was, it broke up a little bit a while ago. You were saying every country does it. Yeah, every country has to do it because in this particular time when the COVID, they have to give out the money because a lot of people just aren't working. And when you're not work, you're not making no money. When you're not making no money... You know, nothing can go on. So mm -hmm. that's really part of it too. But um, just a quick programming note. It was at this point where we lost connectivity and I lost basically all of what was said for about 15, 20 minutes. It would have been a bit weird and arduous, I should add, to have re-recorded all of that and it would have been quite awkward for me to edit all of that together so I am just going to continue the conversation from everything else that we have a good 25-30 minutes 
and uh, from there we will be continuing the conversation about democratic values. Welcome back, everybody. I am continuing my discussion here with Sophia Bryan, uh, soon to be attorney at law, advocate, policymaker, researcher par excellence in Jamaica. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, we are going to jump into this half of the conversation, uh, talking about democracy and Jamaica and democratic values. Because Jamaica, as we all know, is one of the Western civilization's great liberal democracies. We have had steady elections, free and fair elections, I may add, and seamless transitions of power when transitions of power need to be handled. Now, with all of this democracy and everything, the UN loving us and how we're this bastion for human rights and everything like that, mm. over the past one, two, three, four, five elections, we have seen voter turnout going down from a peak of just about 86% in 1980, which was 40 years ago last week, to just below 40%. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to young people, what went wrong? Mm. Mm. Um, so many things have, have gone wrong first. Uh, with just the engagement um, of our leaders and our young people. I can remember when I was uh, 10 years old mm -hmm. and they had this thing called Mayor for the Day. Yeah. And I was in grade six and my, the principal, the admin staff agreed that I should be the school's representative to actually go and represent the Kingston and St. Andrew, the parish council, like, so all the divisions for Kingston and St. Andrew had their own representative from their respective schools. Mm -hmm. And literally me, sometimes I'm just amazed at how brazen I was, even as a little girl, still shy, but still brazen. Um, I decided that I wanted to, to say something. Of course. Uh, 10 plus 11 years old. Ah! <laughs> and I remember this young man from Vauxhall High School, he actually encouraged me and he was like, so the point that I raised, so I raised a submission in the, in the parish council and then the young man from Vauxhall High, he seconded my motion and he also said something on the big day. And one of the things I said was that um, we need to, for the councillor to have a conversation with the representatives in their community um, so that they know what the roles and responsibilities of a counselor is. And looking back, that was such a profound thing for me to say as a little girl, but it is still so relevant now. How yeah. many people understand what a counselor is supposed to do? How many people understand what an MP is supposed to do? Our prime minister promised that the official terms of references would be established for MPs going forward. Oh. That are still, you know, that still hasn't been done. And there's actually a need for that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes our leaders are being chastised for things that they're not even responsible for, you know, and they're getting the brunt of blame that some uh, public sector leaders are supposed to be getting right. the blame for and being called to account. So if a counselor doesn't see it fit to engage with her, his or her constituents, 
if an MT doesn't see it fit to have more one-on-one -on -one dialogue, more forums with their constituents outside of election season, mm -hmm. of course, there's going to be a disconnect. There is definitely going to be a disconnect and more people are going to be like, unless you're going to give me something tangible in my hand, what's the point of me voting? So known as money. Yeah, I.e. money. <laughs> I.e. money. Yeah, so unless I'm getting money, uh, what am I doing here? That's the attitude. And I mean, it's a worse thing because your, your voice should not be, nobody should be able to buy your voice and nobody sh should think it's okay for them to attempt to buy your voice. But the thing about that is, Sophia, they could give you $20 million when you go into that ballot booth. Is you the ballot paper? And mm -hmm. you, <laughs> you want on Jesus, <laughs> right? You want on God. Have to, you have to sit with your conscience yes. to, and, and, and afterwards determine whether or not you've made the right decision. And I'm telling you, a lot of people, I'm not saying that you, you know, people are going to cry sour grapes or anything like that. Of course. But I know a lot, a lot of people are going to really, after... 2020 mm -hmm. into 2021 people are gonna really you know have the opportunity to contemplate whether or not they made the right decision at the polls and of course our leaders are gonna they obviously are already doing their their lamentations and their reflection to see where have i gone wrong and clearly mm -hmm. what i did before it's not gonna work because people just aren't gonna accept it you know what i mean people just aren't gonna accept it so, you don't have time for foolishness no more. To me, that looks like even in the dwindling participation in the most basic democratic right, which is the right to vote, mm -hmm. you still see an evolution and a maturity, a growing maturity in the electorate. Mm -hmm. People Definitely. are based on performance in Jamaica. That's something that we never thought we would actually see in this lifetime. Right, right. Who were, let's say, quote-unquote, born PNP or born JLP. Them say, listen, this is not how this is going to work. Mm -hmm. We put you in there to do a job. Now, they may not know exactly what that job entails, but they put mm -hmm. you in a job and they expect the job or what appears to be the job to be done. Mm -hmm. As a side note, for those listening, a member of parliament's primary responsibility is to represent their constituents and to make laws for the good governance of the Oh my God, Chris, thank you so much for saying that. I remember we, we were having a conversation at the office and we were saying, how many members of parliament to know that they're actually supposed to be listening on the ground to their constituents to find out what legislative agenda would best serve them? How many of them actually know that? They just know that they think that, oh, being an MP is just walking about in the constituency, talking yeah. to people and spend the, the constituency development fund. How many of them know that they need to be, they, they are the legislators? <laughs> how many of them know this and how many of them are even equipped to do it? And how many of them actually see law as a vehicle for change? Yeah, I, Sophie, I mean, I haven't done the point. I'm, I was about to talk about the councillors too. Oh dear, yes, sorry. <laughs> Just... I, know, I know it was a big point and you, you, you were waiting for someone to actually say it. 
right? And I cannot wait for you to go back to work and play this and remind them this is what they're supposed to do. But, <laughs> but for a counselor, if you're a counselor, it's almost the same thing as a member of parliament. You're supposed to be in there helping to draft ordinances for the governance of your parish and your parochial roads. Mm-hmm. There is a road that is not a big major thoroughfare or a highway is a parochial road. Mm-hmm. And guess who deal with that road? Mm-hmm. The councillors. Municipal corporation. So people are out here in these streets dogging out these members of parliament who have no earthly responsibility for, to maintain these roads when the roads aren't being fixed, mm-hmm. when they have to take it up with the National Works Agency and their municipal corporations, and they're not doing it because they simply don't know. Yes, and the MP, because they don't know, they're not in a position to properly advocate right. for their constituents. But then again, some of them do know. Let, let's, not, let's not bash all of them. Some of them do yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Go to NWA and make some noise. But they, 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 their primary responsibility as members of parliament is to make laws. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised if my state, state, um, excuse me, if my state representative here is going to tell me that he's going to fix the road with the puddle outside of my neighborhood. That's not his job. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, do do what do your job. You know what I mean? Like we, we just need you see if people in Jamaica would just they do in their job, just do your job. That's all I need. Just do your job. We'll be so good. We'll like you know, we'll be running competition with with Singapore if everybody just did their job. Just stay in your lanes, man. You make mm-hmm. make laws. Yeah, make laws, have forum with your constituents, you know. Create space in your calendar for that instead of running up and down, finding money to fix a road when more time um, ensuring that the young people get educational advancement, yeah. advocating for job opportunities to come to your constituents, mm. constituency. That would be a better use of your time than actually fixing a road. But like if the road was trash, but um, down the road a hotel is being built and they have a, a moral obligation to hire people from my constituency and train them i don't think people would care about the road <laughs> you know what i mean if they could see that you're working on their behalf and opportunities were coming to them through your advocacy and if when they turn on the tv and you are speaking about a law that directly have a, has an implication for them i think they would stop pressure about the road I, I think so. If there is a member of parliament who needs to hear this, you heard it straight from us. Go make some laws, please, and leave the roads alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Go. We're not saying you need to be legal scholars here <laughs> because that's where the senators come in and that's where the actual draftsmen at parliament comes in. You have so the parliamentary council. They can help you. You have your senators. They're there. You have 62 other members of parliament. They will definitely help you with that. Trust me, you do not have to be handling no goddamn roads. It's ah, not your job. Please and thanks. You know, let the councillors do them work. Let the councillors um, do their own advocacy. Right? Let them do that. And I must say, um, you know, since the whole election space, mm-hmm. um, period and me wanting to engage more persons who are in the political space, I've actually, you know, I'm doing my investigations about who are 
current counselors and trying to find them on social media. And you, I must say, you have quite a few of them who are really putting their shoulders to the wheel. Of quite a few of them. Um, and I wish some, some more of those people would get the credit that's due to them. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, I, it's, these MPs, they, they're lazy. They're, they've gotten lazy. They've gotten lazy. Um, the Parliament of Jamaica has been lazy for the past 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> for real though, Chris, because if you're, you're, um, you're a four-year window, you know, we have the election cycle, a four-year window. Uh-huh. You have four years to prove to, to your constituents that you are deserving of the position that you hold. Mm-hmm. And if in four years you cannot convince somebody that you are deserving of your keep, what have you been doing? Going to God knows and banging decks every Tuesday. <laughs> right? And beating desks and, and having... And a lot of those MPs, particularly on the back bench, our parliament is very unkind to backbench members. Mm-hmm. A lot of those members haven't spoken in a debate in at least three, four years. Well, not anymore because we, now we have a bunch of new members. But mm-hmm. them before, some of them you never even know what them sound like. Oh my God, yes. So I am challenging. You know, I know we have a few people that will listen. I'm challenging the new members of parliament, the newly maintained members of, members of parliament and the senators. Please do your job. Please. You know? <laughs> um, we're not saying you need to be legal scholars here. You, the same way that you were able to convince your constituents that it's time for a change, I need you to go in and demonstrate to them what an MP actually does. And if you want to take picture, take picture. I don't mind because people need to promote themselves. But we need to see you doing your work, right? And a lot of that involves your representation in Gordon House. All right. So I'm going to change gears again because this is another question about the, the, the um, democracy again. With voter turnout so low, do you think deep down in your heart of hearts that any government that comes out of an election now can actually claim to be a legitimate government? Mm. Mm. When you have less than 40% of all eligible voters voting, can you really claim to have actually won election? Now, mind you, a win is a win. Any old election keep mm-hmm. But do you think they can genuinely mm-hmm. say, we are the people's choice when only a, less than half of the people voted for you? Well, what I what I say to that is, um, some, it would be interesting to find out what the reluctance to vote means. The fact that persons in turnout, what does that lack of turnout actually means? What does that translate to? Mm-hmm. Of course, um, they're not Sherlock Holmes, but maybe some insight could be garnered where that is concerned. What does the lack of a vote? actually indicate what are people trying to say in this situation here um and how do they need to either pivot the way that they lead pivot the way that they uh they're presenting themselves uh the way that they engage persons do they need to to to, to change gears mm-hmm. that it, it calls for that sort of conversation 
as individuals as well as among themselves and of course within their political movements respective movements because um i do think that it's an indication that there is a lot of disinterest and if people are disinterested uh you need the entire population to move the country forward right kingston six and eight cannot move the country forward by itself. well <laughs> right can economically move the country forward a little bit but they can <laughs> yeah we, we need everybody on board um the, the elites the elites of the North Coast alone cannot move the country forward. You need, we need everybody. And so if everybody is not a part of the process, any leader should be concerned about that and should be concerned because one, it's going to make the work harder for them because if you don't have buy into a vision, if, you're not, if your vision is not being tested mm-hmm. in the truest sense by... Um, people demonstrating that they believe in you and actually taking action on what you're presenting to them, then it's going to make your life harder um, as a leader. It's going to make it harder for you to see results if people are not cooperative. So I definitely think that um, it, it's, it's pause for questions, reflections on their part, and it's an indication that there, there is a lack of support. But um, the people that felt the urge to 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 go out and actually vote, mm-hmm. they're not they're not the um the only ones that matter. So it's cause for concern. But yeah, win is a win, as you rightly said. But is it a comfortable win? It's definitely not. Definitely not. When you look at how the parliament looks now. It is a very comfortable win, but based on the numbers that got it there yeah it's not uh, that's it's not thing. a good look at all uh, so definitely not that this is just a random question do you think that we should make voter enumeration mandatory in jamaica hmm well i think that um with the the, the conversation that we're having our own needs right now it's going to present an opportunity for them to do that and the, the conversation now is, yes, we understand that a national identification system is important, mm-hmm. but how is it being done? How is it going to be done? Are people going to be victimized if they opt not to, et cetera? How much data is too much data, et cetera? So um, I think just like how somebody gets a birth certificate mm-hmm. at birth, or they're supposed to at least, we all know. <laughs> we know the stories of people without birth papers. My but just like how you get a birth paper, um, you should get a TRN and you should get an ID same time. You know, maybe the, 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 the costs are associated with, with like a passport, you know. Yes, people have to take ownership of that part. But yeah, birth certificate and your voter's ID, it should be just like how when we were in primaries, primary or prep school, mm-hmm. you'd have persons coming at the school to do or um, vaccines. When you turn 18 in high school at, at sixth form mm-hmm. or fifth form, people should be coming in to assist persons with getting their voters ID, for sure. Hmm. But then wouldn't the, wouldn't the argument come up that it would be, the, it would be a, a similar thing, a national ID to mandatory voter registration because you are making something mandatory for every single Jamaican to do? Wouldn't that bring up an issue of people's rights to privacy? Because you have to give information... Mm. Well, yeah, 
yeah uh, but in the case of like the voter registration mm. how much information if the information that they're now collecting remains the same um i don't think it would be it should be an issue or it would be a breach of privacy but it depends again with needs the whole because that's where we're definitely moving towards mm. but i think that the, the most information that they ask for is your proof of name your address and that's pretty much it. And if it stays that way, of course, people should have the right not to. If they opt out, sure, opt, you, can, you shouldn't be victimized if you decide to opt out. Right. If you feel as though it's being too intrusive. And, and, and that's also another point of contention. What will happen if I opt out? <laughs> you know, how will life be difficult for me? Will it be hard for me to access service products and services if I opt out? to give up this information to get this to be on this ID system. Okay, so I'm going to change gears one last time. We're going back to the system itself and how mm -hmm. this works. In Jamaica, the way we elect our elected representatives is really first past the post. Who mm -hmm. votes, they win. Mm -hmm. We have seen instances where countries with what seem to be much more complicated systems think New Zealand, think South Africa, have elections and they are easy. Or at least that's how they make it look. <laughs> you have instances where you see smaller parties getting into parliament and being given a chance to actually make change and to show people why they are worthy of being in those halls of power. So do you think like I'm, I'm basing this question completely off of the fact that Jacinda won in New Zealand an outright majority in their parliament in a mixed member represent MMR system, no MMP system, mixed member mm -hmm. proportional system, which is designed to force coalition governments. That's the anomaly. Mm -hmm. So I'm just thinking, do you think that we as Jamaicans need to look at the way our Westminster style democracy works and make changes? I think that there's definitely room for constitutional reform and how we go about electing our representatives, how someone gets the opportunity to even be considered as a member of parliament or candidate. I think there's, there's a need to review that and how easy it is for independent candidates to run. Mm -hmm. But um, I think in theory, those alternative systems, you know, you know, they come up as a good idea. But what good is it going to be if there, I mean, is there unity in parliament? No, I'm not sure, really. Yes. But <laughs> it's going to make a, a person's life that much harder if they're, they're the anomaly, they're one or two persons from the outside, and then they now have to cooperate or find a way to work with the other persons and not have their voices stifled. So I think in theory, it sounds like a good idea, but for a small country like Jamaica, I think if more of us traveled, we realize just how small the country is. Big impact, but we really are small in numbers. And if we can tighten up our ship, right, then the system that we have now can work. There, there needs to be um, a little bit of tightening up. 
for sure more persons should be able to to be able to to run as independent and not be ostracized or not be given the side eye as we, we young people say shouldn't be given the side eye because you've opted to not go with a party ticket mm-hmm. um so yeah i i i think but i'm not i think in theory those alternative systems sound like a good idea but i don't see it really happening for jamaica could it be because a lot of Jamaican people would have difficulty understanding the system and how it works and end up electing the wrong people? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Because when you look at New Zealand, I, I chose New Zealand specifically because they are a country with a population similar to ours that has that kind of system. They are small enough because mm-hmm. it's 5 million people. Jamaica is 3 mm-hmm. million people. So I'm, I'm looking at their system and how it works. Um, I feel like when people are not worrying about money, when people are not worrying about whether or not they'll have food, mm-hmm. it, makes life, it makes life so much easier. We're not thinking about basic necessities of life. The, the cognitive ability give, is given the room to actually function. True. Right? But when people are thinking about what am I going to eat for dinner? What am I going to eat? Um, or where, you know, do I have job security? When they the time to process all of that, it, it, it's a bit much, you know? People going in the, 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 the booth, mark your X in the box. There is literally um, a, a representative from the Electoral Commission showing you what to do, and you still have people going inside the booth and spoiling a ballot. <laughs> I, I don't know if they, we, have no, we have any more room for any more complicated system and the investment that it will require to, to reinvent it. I mean, I'm all for new things, but in this regard, boy, we need to sort out the issues that we have now. And, and, but, you know, people, a lot of people would, would disagree with me, though. A lot of people do are of the view that we need a coalition. Um, but our history of Jamaicans have shown that, you know, the... We still have a lot of work to do where divisiveness is concerned. Well, it's getting there. <laughs> a historical note, uh, Jamaica, we actually have elected independents and third parties, but those were at the second and third general elections that we ever had. Mm. So since then, it's like they probably didn't pick up enough steam or the two parties mm-hmm. were like, hey, we are here and we are running it and X, Y, and Z vote for us, and then people just ran with that. But I think, as you said, we would have to sort out our actual problems first mm-hmm. before we the problem of dealing with electoral reform. Yeah, getting more savvy with that, yeah. That shouldn't be an excuse for constitutional reform, though. No, that is totally needed. Um, there, there are quite a few things that need to be revisited constitutional-wise, and... It's our duty as policymakers, as people who are learned in the law, when the opportunity comes or when the, the space is created to do that, that we break down the information for the masses and ensure that they feel as though they are part of the process. Definitely. Shameless plug. Listen to episode one, please. And you can hear everything you want to know about the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, there is, um, oh my God. So. On that one thing about the change, constitutional changes, 
what would a new Jamaica look like for you or to you? Mm. All right. So a new Jamaica for me would be a space where every single person feels as though there truly is equal opportunity. That for me would, would, would be absolute paradise. If every single person, whether they're from an inner city, whether, as a matter of fact, there would be no inner city, you know, there would just be pers- you know, differences in e- economic backgrounds, but in terms of your social standing, everybody would see themselves as though they're equal and everybody would feel as though they can pursue opportunities and that where they're from or their lack of a, a, a big name family, so to speak, would not hinder their opportunity to actually pursue opportunities and to access those opportunities. Um, I remember saying to a friend of mine recently that, look, this bubble that we're in in Kingston 6, you know, <laughs> don't you dare think that this is Jamaica. It's not. This is the minority. Yes. Like, make no mistake about that right and how many people even feel comfortable being in, in sovereign or being in ligani era like they just feel out of place why do you feel out of place this is your jamaica too right mm-hmm. just because you come here and you may see lavishness or you may you may see all type of expensive cars for example and all the place, yeah the place just look different smell as a lady with this lady i was in uh, Ligani Plaza and this lady was like boy me like you so she was like me like you so me like you so the place just smell good <laughs> I was like why isn't this all of Jamaica you know that's what I knew Jamaica would look like look I want to see equal opportunities and everybody feeling as though they have a right to be here mm-hmm. and everywhere the infrastructure is developed and people take pride in their own their environment and do their part in, in maintaining it and realizing that we own this we own it we own all of it now if we beg nobody feet yes exactly yeah Sophia Bryan, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on my show, Sophia. Thank you so, so much for having this conversation with me today. Mm-hmm. Chris, it was my pleasure. I am so happy to, have, um, to be along this journey with you as a podcaster. Uh, we, I think we had a really rich conversation about my favorite topic, politics. And, <laughs> and I look forward to having more of these conversations with you. Uh, for sure in the future and I'm looking forward to some of the, the, the dialogue that will come out of or of this episode with your fans. I really hope so. Mm-hmm. All right so um, we have a few seconds left. Go ahead and promote yourself really quick. Let the people know who you are, where they can find yes, you. Yes definitely. Thank you for that opportunity. So everyone um, I do corporate governance related work in my business um, and I do leadership and business development, consulting and coaching. And so you can find out everything you want to know about me uh, at sophiabryan.com. I'm Sophia Bryan, J-A, on all social media platforms. Link me up on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, there are a lot of episodes of the Driven Woman podcast, 30 odd episodes so far. Go in, take a deep dive. Men will also enjoy the show. There are lots of lessons to be learned from a lot of the guests that were there. There are some solo episodes there. And look, I'm really one of those people that believe that we can make this world a better place. 
and I'm just doing my part to do that. So I hope you got some food for thought in this episode and feel free to share your thoughts with me on social media. Thank you so much again, Sophia. You're welcome, Chris. Yay, God bless. So today we had a conversation with Sophia Bryan about youth voter apathy in Jamaica. Now, while I think that there is a very big problem with youth voter apathy, I believe that it can partially be mitigated by good civic education from the schools from as early as possible. Teach young people and children that their votes matter. Teach them that it means something to be able to go to a ballot station, a polling station, and to cast a ballot for someone to lead your country and to help in the decision-making process and to eventually affect your destiny as a person living in a country. We need that in Jamaica right now because we have heard many times people saying, oh, we would be better off if we were under the crown or some people say, oh, Jamaica should be a military junta-led dictatorship. I reject all of that. Jamaica is an independent country. Now, we need to be a republic. Yes, we do. But we need to go back to a place where we get up on election day out of our beds, leave home, and go to a polling station and vote. We have to get back to that place as a society where we understand what happens when we elect somebody when we understand what's supposed to happen after that we have to do it and part of that is how we campaign and i think that's a good segue into our quote for today which comes from sir hugh lawson Shera, the third prime minister of jamaica he served from 1967 to 1972 And uh, Prime Minister Shera once said, and I quote, that it has happened quite unfortunately that political campaigns are no longer being fought on principles and policies, but to a large extent, politicians are indulging in rebukes and bitter character assassination. When that happens, it means that the politicians themselves are contributing to the destruction of the image of the politician. Until next time, I'm Christopher Nurse. Walk good.